Thank you, Eva, for that song. Well, we're in a period of time that we have designated as a 40-day chain of fasting and prayer. We started on the last day of 1992, and we're continuing through February the 8th. And we're not asking any one person to fast for 40 days, obviously, but we are asking large groups of people to pledge themselves to fast and pray on given dates. And we're uh, we actually have people signed up for each of the 40 days so that the entire 40-day period we have a large number of people fasting and praying and the chain will not be broken and we believe that great things are going to transpire because this is a scriptural thing to get involved in. And I have chosen a message today so that you might understand the purpose of fasting and prayer. The title of my message is Fasting for Revival. I'm reading from the book of Joel, chapter 2, and verse 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. Fasting is probably the most feared, the most misunderstood, and probably the most neglected of all of the Christian disciplines. It's totally foreign to a lot of people. And many people have never fasted a day in their entire lifetime. In their Christian experience, they've never in, been involved in fasting. It's practiced by some people as a pious show. But fasting is a Christian discipline. It's a New Testament practice. Although we must say, as I did, it is one of the most neglected disciplines in the entire Bible. In fact, I wonder how many sermons you've heard on fasting. I wonder how many times that you've actually had a, a scriptural teaching session on fasting and prayer. It is true that in these last days, in the mighty move of the Holy Spirit, that this has been revived and it is brought about by a hunger for God and people wanting to get closer to God. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16, we read these words. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites, of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. As I said, it's practiced by some people as a display of their pious nature. They want to impress people with their piety. The hypocrites disfigured their faces, and they would distort their face to look as if they were very sad and very unhappy. They had a sad countenance, Jesus said. Their fast was for the purpose of appearing to men to fast and impressing people with their spirituality and their, their spiritual experience. Now that is not the purpose of fasting. We're not ever supposed to do it just to make other people believe in our religion. Rather, it is something very private, but there are times for public fast. There are times for an entire nation to fast. There's times for the church to be called to fast. Did I not read the text where Joel said, uh, blow the trumpet in Zion? That means something out loud, something very public. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. It was an assembly for the purpose of prayer and fasting, where the people would be admonished to abandon their quest for food and their appetites and their lust of the flesh and seek the mind of God for their nation. The Pharisees were a group of people who fasted quite often, quite frequently. The proud Pharisee in Luke chapter 18 and verse 12 claimed, I fast twice in a week. Now, that's more than a lot of Christians fast today. 
it must be said in favor of this Pharisee. He had more religion than some of the professing Christians of our modern day church. He fasted twice a week. Are we going to let a hypocritical Pharisee outdo us? Are we going to do less than this man in his hypocrisy, in his efforts to prove his piety? It was done in hypocrisy, true, but nevertheless it should be done in sincerity among Christians today. It was a vain display of piety, but it's more than a lot of Christians are willing to, to do in their discipline today. The prophet Joel called the nation of Judah to fasting and prayer because of impending destruction by the invading armies of Babylon. As he got the message that Babylon is coming, he called his nation to fasting and prayer. It's a prophetic view of the last days, if you please, when Israel will be invaded by the Antichrist. And we read this book and we know that Bible prophecy teaches us the land of Israel is going to know war again. And they will be invaded from the north by the armies of the Antichrist. The spiritual application for the church, however, is, is also very, very important. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. As Judah was called to this very solemn time of prayer and fasting because of the impending doom that would be brought when the invading armies of Babylon would come, the church must fast and pray. We need a trumpet call, a clarion note sounded today to call the church to fasting and prayer because of the impending dangers and even the judgments of God upon the sins of this generation in these last days. Now the Antichrist will certainly come in the latter times and they will invade, the armies of the Antichrist will invade the nation of Israel. Also, we must conclude the spirit of the Antichrist is invading the church world and I believe that spirit is very much alive. In fact, Jesus indicated it was alive in his day and if that be true, certainly it is multiplied many times over in our day. The spirit of the Antichrist has been here but the person of the Antichrist will indeed come, but that spirit is working today. The New Age movement, the constant call for global religion and a new world order, this is the spirit of the age, this is the spirit of Antichrist, and it's time for the true church to get on their knees in fasting and prayer and believe God for revival in these last days. The spirit of Babylon lives on. There is hatred for Christianity today, just like there was hatred for the Jews in the Old Testament, and we are referred to in labeled as the fanatical fundamentalist and the extreme religious far right and they want to do everything to, uh, to discredit and disclaim the, the claims of Christianity. Fasting and prayer will bring power and revival to the church under such adverse circumstances. I'm here to tell you we don't need to be afraid of the world. If we need to fear anything, it's the backsliding and the weakness and the inability of the Christian church to deal with reality and the refusal of Christians to fast and pray. We need to fear that more than we need to fear the Antichrist himself. The spirit of the Antichrist is in this world, no doubt about that. But the backsliding and the apathy and the indifference and the unconcern and the lackadaisical attitude of many Christians today it poses a greater danger because we're weakening the church. The secular attitudes in the world towards fasting certainly are not very tolerant. It is often associated with dieting and many people will diet and call it a fast or they do without food for medical purposes. You go to a doctor and he tells you, well now, we're going to do some tests 
next Tuesday or Thursday, and therefore for 24 hours or maybe for 48 hours prior to that, I want you to go on a fast and, and drink nothing but liquids, no solid foods whatsoever. Well, that's for the purpose of some medical test. That is not a spiritual fast. And some people with uh, physical problems, maybe overweight, they will fast. Anorexia causes people to do without food because they want to trim down. Hunger strikes are called fasting. They're not indeed scriptural fast, but nevertheless people go on hunger fast. Hunger strikes. Some worldly concerns bring fear of fasting. There was an article in the Florida Times Union some years ago and uh, written by Barbara Bano. And it says, what can fasting do to you? Now listen to this. This would frighten a Christian out of their wits. And very few Christians would be willing to fast after reading this. It may cause such minor and major problems as dizziness due to a drop in blood sugar. It will cause sallow skin. It will cause acute fatigue. It will cause loss of hair. Mine. Not many of us will want to lose our hair. Which will grow back when proper nutrition is resumed. It will cause cessation of nail growth or menstrual irregularities, liver and kidney problems, depression, even constipation, decreased muscle strength and coordination. A long fast can result in the muscles wasting away. Now these are secular attitudes towards fasting. These frighten Christians to death and they're afraid to fast because they read something like that and they don't want any of those bad things to happen to them. Well, we know that hunger strikes and people doing without food for the wrong purpose can certainly bring many problems. Therefore, we need to use caution when we fast. We need to pray, and we need to read our Bibles, and we need to listen to scriptural teachings. And it might be advisable to use liquids and juices during a prolonged fast. You can do without food much longer than you can do without water. And the first sin in the Bible did not have to do with drinking water. It had to do with eating the forbidden fruit. It had to do with the appetite. It had to do with food. There was something about that food that was attractive. It smelled good. It looked good. It tasted good. And those things caused Eve to partake and then give to Adam. And they committed the sin of eating the forbidden fruit. And so it's food, not water and not drink that brought about the first sin and therefore fasting has more to do with food than it does with liquids however there may be a short period of time that you feel impressed of God to do without food and water or any liquids maybe for one or two or three meals but diabetics and heart patients and others with certain health problems should consult their doctor about doing without food for any protracted length of time. Some people will faint. I do remember an individual who fainted because I knew that this man was doing without food. We admonished him. Well, you need to eat. You don't need to go without food for the length of time that you did. Certainly, it is not advisable to jeopardize your health. Now, some people will hide behind that, and they will use that as a facade, and they will uh, couch down behind that and say, well, it's just not for me to do any fasting. Others experience severe headaches. Well, no, no wonder, because we're used to gorging our bodies with all kinds of foods that once we begin to deprive it of those foods, it goes into some kind of tailspin. And actually, people drink so much coffee and have so much soda pop and gorge themselves on fatty foods that when their body really begins to line out with even proper nutrition, they'll get a headache. And so don't let headaches alone be the cause of your not fasting. Beware the effect 
upon your disposition because the devil will tempt you when you are fasting. You'll find out that he will try to make you ill-tempered and he'll make you lash out at some statement that your wife or your husband makes. And Jesus warned about that. He said, don't put on a sad countenance. Let me read for you from Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16. They disfigure their faces. Now then, let's read verse 17. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face. I'm telling you that Satan will attack you. He will attack your family. He'll attack your marriage relationship. He'll attack you on the job. And on the job, people will think, well, my goodness, that guy has lost all of his marbles. He's so ill-tempered and hard to get along with. That is not a proper spiritual fast. Jesus cautions us to put on the joy of the Lord, to be happy during our time of fasting. Satan will attack your family. There will be arguments. And the spirit world is very active. We stir up demons when we start fasting and praying. Doubts and questions and distrust will manifest itself simply because we're on a quest for spiritual power and the devil does not like that. The devil does not like it when a church begins to fast and pray. As I said, we have proclaimed a period of 40 days for a chain of fasting and prayer. Well, why are you doing that, preacher? Well, we're praying about a number of things and I believe that you'll have to agree they are very important. We're praying for this nation about the transition and change in our government. We're praying about this land needing a spiritual renewal. We're praying about our community and the greater Jacksonville area, all of northeast Florida and southeast Georgia, that a great revival will sweep across this part of the land. We're praying that this area will be impacted by a mighty move of God. We're praying for the churches of this greater Jacksonville area, this metropolitan area. We are praying for the families and for the homes. We're praying for our local church. We're praying for revival here at Evangel Temple, that God will visit us with a mighty spirit visitation and the power and the presence of God and the gifts of the Spirit will be exercised and people will be healed of all manner of sickness and disease and sinners will be freed from all kind of demon oppression and satanic strongholds. We're fasting and praying that people will be able to lay aside their cigarettes and lay aside their movie going and lay aside their sins of depravity and shame and debauchery and begin to walk with God in purity and holiness. Yes, friends, we're praying for an old revival in this area and I believe that God is going to send that we know that he's going to Jesus practiced and taught fasting he himself did not enter into his public ministry without first going on a period of fasting and prayer in fact he fasted for 40 days there are three men in the Bible that fasted for 40 days possibly four Moses did and he may have been accompanied by Joshua. Joshua may have fasted the 40 days and nights as did Moses. And so did Elijah fast for 40 days and nights. Went in the strength of the meat that the angel gave him for 40 days and nights. Jesus fasted 40 days and nights before he began his public ministry. That's recorded in Matthew chapter 4, Mark chapter 1, and Luke chapter 4. And each of these cases, I caution you to remember this, in each of these cases, this long fast of 40 days was ordered by God. Moses was instructed by God to do this for 40 days and nights. And then Elijah was 
went in the strength of the meat that the angel gave him and went to Mount Horeb, the Mount of God, for 40 days and nights. And furthermore, Jesus was led by the Spirit, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Mark chapter 1, and verse 12. Mark 1, verse 12 says, The Spirit driveth him into the wilderness, and he fasted and prayed. You need to be definitely led to go on a prolonged fast. Daniel fasted and prayed for 21 days. But, all oh, friends, you're not going to hurt yourself going a day without food. You're not going to hurt yourself going two or three days without food unless you have some kind of medical problem that it would not be advisable for you to fast over. So join with us. It, jump in here. Get involved in the fasting and praying. This chain, pick out a day, two days, three days, whatever you feel led to, and join with us and fast and pray for Jacksonville, for this great metropolitan area. We will see revival sweep across the land. Sinners will come to God, and people will be freed from the chains of darkness and the bondage that they have tried to get out from under those shackles, but they could not. And God will set the captives free. I believe that God wants to send revival. And I believe that we have got to blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify the fast, call a solemn assembly. Thank you, neighbor, for being part of this service. Good day, and God bless you is our prayer.